0: Welcome to the Living Savior Sermon Webcast. We invite you to join us here for our worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. Find out more at lsavior.org. Thank you for joining us today. portion of God's Word that we will focus upon today comes from 2nd Kings chapter 6. It's printed before you on page 11. First, let's pray. A verse from 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11. Let's pray. Dear Lord, help us forgive, for we are forgiven for the sake of Christ, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Amen. In the upcoming year, The United States Department of Defense will raise the budget for cybersecurity by over 4 percent. Of course, this is going to help and there are going to be hikes when it comes to the Department of Homeland Security and the Pentagon. And this probably doesn't surprise you when you think of the cyber attack damages that tally up at the end of each year. They don't measure them in billions, by the way, they measure them in trillions by the year 2021 they pro- project that the total cost of cyber attack damages is going to be 6 trillion. It's a lot of zeros. And all of this of course when we hear about hackers from Russia or China or anywhere else in the world for that matter cyber terrorism and the like. Just to kind of put that into picture you received a series of pictures uh, a handout when you walked in this morning. There's websites you can actually go to. One of them, I took some screenshots and put it on that at page to kind of give you an idea of what cyber attacks look like worldwide. You know what the world looks like if there's nothing covering up the continents and the country demarcation and so on and so forth. Starting in July of several years ago and moving forward, all of those things that you see, the dots, the dashes, the lines, the colors, is the amount of increase in cyber attack worldwide. Does uh, does any of that surprise you? Like I think if somebody would have told you this would be a thing like 30 years ago, you probably would have been like, no, that's the makings of like the cartoon Jetsons or something. But if somebody would tell you this in the year 2018, does any of that surprise you? Of course, if you're like me, you're thinking, no, does actually some of what I've shared with you, especially the increase in the budget of the United States Department of Defense, if, does that kind of give you comfort? Yeah, because they're defending, they're helping, they're providing security. But... Does some of that also kind of give you the heebie-jeebies? Yeah, because they have to defend against something. There has to be security because there's a problem. And again, if you're like me, you, you don't really fear maybe the things that you can predict, the things that you can project. But maybe some of the stuff that makes the, the makings of your greatest fears are the things that you can't see, the things that exceed your imagination, especially the things that you can't prevent. These are attacks on our country and our computer, businesses and our bank accounts. And if these covert, unseen attacks happen everywhere else, well then, of course, you and I as Christians know that these covert, unseen attacks happen to our faith as well. My friends, spiritual warfare, as it's commonly termed, is a very real thing. Christians don't often like to talk about it because if we talk about angels and demons, some Christians are afraid that others are going to think that we're weird as we talk about these fantastical ideas, but they're true. Scripture is very clear that there are evil forces in the heavenly realms and our battle really is against that. But all of the places where the Bible talks about evil forces that are covert, unseen attacks against our souls and even our bodies too, they're always contextualized in and around the power of God who employs angels on our behalf. And it would be nice, wouldn't it, if we would have a picture, kind of like the ones that I shared with you, of all of the attacks that happened over the past several years, spiritually, And all of the ways that God sent angels to do superhero-like moves and just (laughs) knock them out of the way. It'd be nice if we could have a picture, a progression, a series, a a metrics of sorts that would show all of the ways that God does just that. Send his angels to protect us and remind us that those who are with us are more than those who are against us, our, our enemies, that is. Well, he doesn't give us a map of sorts, but he does give us a very beautiful picture in his word today from 2 Kings chapter 6. And in that lesson, we do see what I just mentioned, that those who are with us, because we have our Lord, are more than those who are against us. I I invite you to have that open, and, and as you are, maybe it's important to discuss briefly what angels are and what angels are not. Angels are not beautiful women with long flowing hair, up in heaven strumming harps. Angels are not scantily clad little pudgy babies like you see in the Hallmark shelf that are missing a little bit of clothing, especially maybe on the back half of their body. Angels are not your maybe passed away aunt or uncle or grandparent who went into heaven and got their wings and their halo. Those are myths and misconceptions and misunderstandings. Scripture is very clear that angels are like mighty, fiery warriors sent by God to do his bidding. There's a very real reason why every single time they appear to people, almost Verbatim, across all of scripture, they say what? Do not be afraid because they terrify people. They reflect the glory of God and we do not. And they're scary beings. They are. You see that when they appear to Isaiah and Zechariah and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, etc., etc. But they are not sent against us. They are sent, as the writer to the Hebrews says, they are sent by God as ministering spirits to serve us, mankind. That's wonderful, but... Not all of the angels in the beginning were, were content with that job description. After God created all things and declared it very good. Good, good, perfect. There was one angel in particular who led many astray. They rallied and revolted and mutinied against God. And of course, since they were not as powerful and not as many, God and his angels defeated them and booted them to earth. They stand condemned. But that's precisely the difficult part, isn't it? Revelation 12 tells us that he sent them to... To earth. While they stand condemned, these are spiritual forces that operate in ways that we hardly, if ever, will see. In fact, we pray we don't. But it is precisely to meet and exceed and defeat those types of threats, those dangers and those fears that God would give us a lesson like this so that we would know no matter what, certainly in eternity, and therefore also now, those who are with us are more and are greater than those who are with them take a look at the first verse of our lesson, 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning with verse 8. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God, that is Elisha, Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. In his uh, great book, The Art of Warfare, Sun Tzu, says that so long as you know yourself and you know your enemy, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. And whether or not you agree with it, there's a lot of truth to that. And the king of Aram was struggling with that. Because the king of Israel knew absolutely everything, where he was and and when. There was a bit of divine counterintelligence going on and it just so happens that it's true for checkers and chess and cards and every single sport you cannot win if your opponent knows your next move. And so what does the king of Aram to think? He thinks that there's a mole. He summons his officers and he says, "Who is it?" And they say, "No, no, 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 no. There's this prophet and he's he's got this special intelligence." And it goes kind of from material for wrath to, kind of creepy, he says, he tells the king of Israel the very things, the very words that you utter in in your bedroom. And so the king of Aram knows that if he's going to have a shot, he has to remove this intelligence threat. And that's exactly what he tells his officers to do. Look at verse, verse 13. Go, find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan, then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Now imagine for a second that you wake up in the middle of the night to one of those things that go bump in the night. Maybe it's usually a pet who ran into a wall, a kid who maybe f- fell out of bed or kicked the wall, or whatever. But this night, it's different, and you wake up, whether it's from the glow of the home screen on your phone, or maybe one of the nightlights from the kids' room, or maybe you have a nightlight because you're sick of stubbing your toe when you get up in the middle of the night. Whatever it is, there's dim light, and you see this shadowy figure, and then another one pass from one room in the hall to the other. That's kind of like the makings of a nightmare, isn't it? Are you sleepy anymore? Imagine the people of Dothan, this little podunk town, tucked away in the villages, and all of a sudden... They're surrounded, and and not just by foot soldiers, although that would be bad enough. They're surrounded by, by chariots, the elite forces of Aram. These are like tanks back in the day. You can kind of understand why the servant of Elisha would react the way that he does. Look at our next verse. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. When you wake up in the morning or maybe it's after a nap and you rub the sleep out of your eyes and you remember that whatever your greatest fear was wasn't a dream or wasn't a nightmare. When you wake up in the morning and you think that the exhausting days of wrestling with that terrifying fact or reality or ominous threat wasn't something that that was just the makings of a dream, when you wake up and that's real for you, do you remember the last time you said those words? What, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do? What he's saying is not any strange phrase, is it? We know these words quite well. And, and maybe for some of you, you know that especially because of, take for example, finances. The medical bills have racked up. Your, find yourself taking care of kids more than you thought you would have to financially. There's maybe other, the, others who have become dependents of sorts and you want to serve the Lord and you want to take care of things, but you look at the bottom line and it ends up in red with the negative next to it and you, you kind of throw your hands up in the, in the air and this is a very common thing, right? And you say, what am, what am I going to do about this? It's a fear. It's real. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's family, you look at your grandparents or your aging parents and you have the same fears that they do. It's just that you have fears for them. You, you don't want some of these recurring symptoms. The last thing you want is another operation for them. You're worried about their mental abilities. You fear for things like dementia. And you don't even like to talk or even spend mental time thinking about what could quite possibly be worse. And it's no different with kids when you, you look at your, your kids or your grandkids and you wonder how they're going to fare when you're no longer there. And if it's not health things with your family, you you look at how fractions and friction find their way into just about every single family and you know that yours is no exception, marriages included, and you think, "What, what am I gonna do about this? Maybe it's even the future. You watch the news and you read the reports. You know that the way things used to be was quite different. You don't like the way that things are right now and you don't like the way that the future is looking. So whether you're thinking on behalf of yourself personally, your family or our country, you throw yourself, your hands up in the air, maybe all humankind on planet Earth and you say, what What are we going to do about this? What, am I, what are we going to do? If you're anything like me, quite honestly and transparently, there are, there are especially a couple that you just don't like to talk about. There's maybe one person on planet Earth you've maybe mentioned it to, at least telling them specifically what terrifies you and keeps you awake at night. And you see everything that you have at your disposal and you know that it is not up to the task. And so you just throw your hands up in the air and say, what, are you gonna, what am I going to do about this? Maybe if you're like me, you also think about bigger, bigger things, like those who become more distant from the word. It's not just things now, it's also eternally significant things. As families are pulled apart and they don't see the spiritual damage that's happened, You haven't seen anybody who's been in word or in worship and receiving God's grace and the sacrament in a long time. You you worry about those millions of people who don't know that there is a Savior who died for them. It's not even the material things. For as Paul writes, our our battle is not against flesh and blood. That is the things that we can see. It is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, the things that we cannot see. And you look at you and I look at me and we look at all that we're up against spiritually and we say, what are we going to do about this? as a church, as a brother or sister in Christ. And you know what's true about every single one of those fears and whatever other one you might have? It's that God never, ever tells you once to focus on those things. You open up your Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 and never once does he tell you, I really want you to pay attention to your fear, your circumstances, your anxiety, moderate or severe. I want you to focus on that really hard. Right now, go. Never once. You want to know why? It's because when we're looking at fears like Mount Everest in front of us and we fail to have any peripheral vision by faith, the one thing we cannot see is the root cause of our fears, which is sin, and therefore the root solution, which is a savior. It's kind of like we're looking at what should be, should be something good, and we're declaring it like a ghost, something that we should be scared of, and all the while we should be seeing Jesus. Isn't that crazy? And of course, in hindsight, we look back and we think, I was so scared of that. That was so silly. But not in the heat of the moment. Not when it's right in front of you. Not when you're having very emotional conversations with the ones that you love. And not when it's keeping you up at night. It is so, e- it is so difficult and to, to look past that and so easy to focus on it. And, and all the while, the one thing we cannot see is the very thing that God, through his spirit, tells, gives Elisha to say. That those who are with us really always are and always will be greater and more than those who are against us. Look at what happens. Look at what he says. Verse 16, don't be afraid. Sound familiar? The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You probably remember FDR's famous words from in that inaugural address, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Yes, you remember that. Do you know what he meant by that in that context? He was saying that a lot of fears that we have really are exaggerated and they're not justified, at least to the degree that you have these fears, and they're not helping the, our, our country, our culture. They're not helping you personally either. And to whatever degree you might agree with those words in that context, I would say of all contexts, to a certain type of people, those words are especially true. Christians, am I telling you that you should never, ever once have a fear? No. Does God ever tell you you will never be afraid so long as you believe hard enough? No. Knowing that we have fears, though, should we be afraid and should we have fears to the degree that we have those fears, to the degree that we are afraid? No. No. Don't you see that in our lesson? The very fact that there are demonic forces out there kind of explains some of the despicable and inexpressible evil that we see in the world. Awful monstrosities of wickedness. But how do you explain that close call when you were driving? How do you explain the fact that of all the things that could have gone wrong with that operation, they didn't? If everything that could have tailed off to a worse sickness that your child was having? It didn't. Have you ever studied the probability of a healthy childbirth? What about the, the fact that just between here and your ride home this afternoon, so many terrible things can happen? How do they not accept that God gives you this promise, that those who are with us, namely his angels, are more than those who are with them? In fact, Psalm 91 says, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. One of the most comforting passages, it's, it's in Matthew 18, you can easily skip over it. He says that there are angels specifically for you. They're angels. He has angels for you. Yes, not to mention that in order for us to have this angelic assurance, so to speak, it is that God himself is with us. I don't know why you're facing that fear. I don't know why you have that threat. I don't know why you have that concern with your family, your finances, or your future. I don't know. But I do know this, that no matter what, you have a God who is with you. He's with you. He's not saying, hey, I'll see you on the other side. No, he's walking right with you. He's never left you. And he will never forsake you. He promises you in his word. And you know how that's true? It's because he gives you more than just protection here and now he gives you eternal providence because he is eternally with you. Isn't that what another angel said to Joseph? You're to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And he said he will be called Emmanuel, which means God, God with us. Hebrews says he became lower than the angels and he was tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin so that he who never feared, never had anxiety, never doubted his father's plan would provide perfect righteousness for every single one of us who always and only fear based on what we see and not based on what we trust by faith. And when he died on the cross, God did not hold back and punished him for those sins so that his death would pay our debt. And having been raised from the dead, you would know that not just for a time, but for all eternity, God is with you and you will forever be with him. It is God with us. We see that in another, in another beautiful way in our lesson. Do you know what the prophet was in the Old Testament scriptures? You kind of read the Old Testament it's like prophet, that's one of those Old Testament-ish things. But it's a big deal that, prophet in the Old Testament was one of the main ways that God showed and proved that he was among or with his people. The prophet shared God's word and that is how God dwelt among his people, through his word. Still true today, through his word. So here you have, think of this picture, here you have this prophet who is proof that God is among his people and cares for his people, sharing his word with his people, and he's seemingly surrounded. Not seemingly. He's certainly surrounded and is sure and certain defeat, but the way that things appear in the eyes of man in this world so often are quite the opposite in the eyes of God. Does that remind you of somebody? Scriptures say that there was one who would come greater than the prophet Elijah, who was Elisha's teacher. He would come like unto Moses, the ultimate prophet of the Old Testament, and when Jesus came declaring the message not about someone else but about himself as the fulfillment, sure enough, it looked like sure and certain defeat as he was surrounded by evil men. Prophet Isaiah and the Psalms tell us they were like dogs, a wicked band of men encircling him, trading his clothes for, for lots of money. And, and here, all the while, it seems like he is going to lose, and yet... As he, with also a simple prayer, would say things like, It is finished, and Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. There's someone like a servant, a Roman soldier himself. His eyes would be opened, and he would say, Surely this man was the Son of God. And that Son of God would not stay dead. He would rise so that you would know, both through his angelic providence the providence of his angels, and through his care for all eternity, that those who are with us are more and are greater than those who are against us because God himself is with us. If you read the rest of this story, it further proves the point. Elisha kind of seems calm, cool, and collected, doesn't it? Doesn't he? Seems like he's grabbing a couple cubes for his coffee and he's just kind of, don't be afraid, those who are with us, fiery chariots. You know what happens? The Lord strikes the that army of Arameans with blindness. And Elisha leads them to the capital city of Israel. And the king says to Elisha, so you want us to to kill them? And he says, no, give them food, give them water and send them away. And it says at the very end of this chapter, the nation of Aram, the Arameans never ever once warred with the nation of Israel ever again. Is that not what your God gives you? I can't tell you that the source of your fears are going to go away. I can't tell you that everything that you are worried about is going to pass away. But what I, what I can tell you is, even if assuming that death is the sum of all of your fears, even if that happens, what have you really lost? Didn't we just hear in our epistle lesson, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will deliver me. That promise holds true for you. So that even if the sum of all of your fears, assuming that it is death, were to happen, your God has prepared for you a place in heaven where there is no fear. It's not a reality. It's not even in the vocabulary, nor is anything like it. And there you will only experience peace. Peace that lasts forever. But God does not just want you to have that sometime down the road in eternity. He gives you that right now. As you focus on his promises for you, never will he leave you. And and certainly today in his word, that those who are with us, are more and are greater than those who are against us. And the reason that can be true for you, and it is, is because God himself is with you by his spirit. Through the power and working of his son, Jesus Christ, your Savior, may God grant you such peace, my friends, that exceeds every last one of your fears until the day he calls you home to heaven. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. I invite you to join me in confessing our... Thank you for joining us for our sermon webcast. I'm Pastor Caleb Kerbis. To discuss today's sermon or to discover more about our ministry, visit our website at lsavior.org. Thank you again for joining us, and may God bless your day.